Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to This Week in Black Art. I am so happy to be back. We had a nice little hiatus. I know for the last few months, you've had a great time listening to This Week in Caribbean Art and Culture. And now it is time for This Week in Black Art, which is really the conversation that popped all of these podcasts off. I am here with my fantastic hostess. Um, I have worked with her for a long time. You talked to us on social last year and now she's back. Lisa, tell the people who you are and what you do. Hello, my name is Lisa Anderson. I am the founder of Black British Arts, an online platform celebrating the breadth of creative visual arts expression from Black Britain. And I'm also the interim managing director of Black Cultural Archives, a 40-year-old institution, Black-led, community-inspired institution that is the home of Black history in the UK. I love it. So we are really happy because we have a sponsor. Actors Playhouse, together with presenting sponsor, the Children's Trust, proudly presents live auditions for young talent, Big Dreams, the most widespread free youth talent competition in Miami-Dade County. Kids between the ages of eight to 17 are invited to showcase their talents and compete for exciting prizes and cash awards. Register today at www.actorsplayhouse.org. Thank you, Children's Trust, one of our sponsors. We are so pleased to have you on. And if you have a talented young one, make sure to head over to actorsplayhouse.org. So Lisa, Last week was a busy week. There was a lot going on, everything from the Grammys to Expo Chicago, uh, which we're gonna get to later. So one of our hosts from last year, Kendra, did a wonderful experience called the Black Art Experience at uh, Black Expo Chicago. It was really fantastic. And I, um, I know that everyone had a fantastic time. There were so many people who didn't even know Art Expo existed um, outside of, I think, our tight-knit art world. So she was able to really open up this opportunity for people to see, you know, Black art and also experience Chicago, who, by the way, Chicago has a Black founder. It was actually founded um, by a Haitian man um, that came through Canada. So it's a Black-founded city, which I don't hear people talk about too often, which is a little disturbing, but we will talk about him a different time on a different episode, but there was a lot going on. So let's start off with what went on this week. So Lisa, you mentioned the Turner Prize. Tell us about the Turner Prize. Well, the Turner Prize is, I think, the UK's most celebrated contemporary art prize. Um, As you may remember, We've recently had a swell of attention and accolade for artists from the African diaspora acknowledged within the Turner Prize, most notably Lubaina Himid won a few years ago and has gone on to gain the acknowledgement and engagement in her work that <laughs> she's long deserved. Um, as, and this happened to be one of the oldest and uh, yeah, Black female artist to win the Turner Prize. So in hot off the press, fresh news, 
I can share that we've just received news of the four nominees for the 2022 Turner Prize, and okay. they are four women. And two of them are women that I have long admired and are women from the African diaspora in the United Kingdom. Uh, the first I mentioned is Ingrid Pollard, who's a key figure in the Black British art movement of the 1980s. I've long loved her for photographic um, art practice. And we've also got Veronica Ryan, a really um, powerful artist in the, in, the, in the realm of sculpture. Both have been acknowledged alongside two other women. And I'm just really pleased to see this. Um, it's just feeling more normal to have much more inclusive um, considerations of art talent. And, and that should definitely be the case. So it's, it's a call to a real celebration. Uh, obviously, I'd love to see either Veronica or Ingrid um, be acknowledged. I'm a particular fan of Ingrid Pollard's work. And um, we featured... Uh, they were recently actually on our Black British Art platform um, as they have a fantastic show, their first <laughs> solo um, kind of survey show at MK Gallery in Milton Keynes opened just months ago. So, um, yes, yeah, really lovely to see this development. I love it. Congratulations. And you, you mentioned something really important that you're starting to see, you know, Black women, especially artists who have started their work in the 80s, really get the accolades they deserve. And that's that's really comforting to me. I'm happy to hear that. That's really, really wonderful. Indeed. So Lisa, we have something here in Miami that's being built called the Miami World Center. Um, it's a 27 mm -hmm. acre, $4 billion complex dedicated to hotels, condos, workplaces, and retail space and they've revealed a $5 million public art effort with one of our favorites. I know you love her, Nina Chanel Abney. Creative Yes, isn't this nice? Um, and so Jeffrey Deitch, curator and art dealer, and the team at Primary, which is a Miami-based curatorial collective, are in charge of the program. By participating in the second largest such urban development project in the United States, after New York's Hudson Yards, art dealer Jeffrey Deitch and Primary have been developing exhibitions and pop up in Miami for a while. And they're focused on making Miami the center of the newfound interest in spaces that are not only eclectic in opportunities, but also design. And what's really fantastic is that there's an art advisory committee that put this together and it is led by Franklin Sermon from the Pettis Art Museum Miami. So I am super excited that this is um, happening and I'm happy that Franklin was a part of it. I'm not even surprised. Um, but not only are they bringing on Nina Chanel Abney, but they are um, commissioning Nick Cave. Which Ooh, is one of my favorites. <laughs> I know. This is going to uh, be spectacular. How exciting. Two really yes. cutting edge artists who are always pushing the boundaries, you know, coming up with fresh new takes on their own visual expression and yes. delving always into different mediums and also very collaborative in their approach. I, I think it's really exciting. So Nick Cave, and there's more. So there's a Miami-based artist named Victor El Saye excuse me if I butchered his name. Um, he's a, a fantastic artist as well. I'm really loving his work. 
um, Woody DeOthello, as well as one of my personal, personal favorites, Trenton Doyle Hancock. Where mm. is my Trenton Doyle Hancock? Here it is. So you guys can't see this because this is audio, but this is my coast, my Trenton Doyle Hancock coaster. <laughs> coaster. Cool from his um his mound series so quick story time when my oldest daughter who's 17 now when she was 10 I went to New York very quickly for a weekend I took her with me we went to the Studio Museum of Harlem and they had Trenton Doyle Hancock's work there and so his mound series to to see the installation and the work it's um kind of like the comic book and there's all this text across the wall. So we stopped and we read like everything. And at the time we were very strict vegans. And she kind of talked about how the vegans were trying to, you know, take over the world. And she was so upset. She's like, oh, did he say something bad about vegans? It was so cute. And I was like, no, sweetheart. It's just, you know, it's just for fun. But I love him. And I'm so happy to see this. I'm happy that Franklin is a part of this and, you know, helping to usher in exciting black voices to do this work. This is gonna be really exciting. So probably, I don't know if we have a date when this will be completed, but probably within the next, we're in 2022, maybe the next two to four years, the next time you return to Miami, um, you'll be able to see this. And to be honest with you, I'm saying two to four years, but think that this has already started and I only say that because I had a conversation with somebody who's going to be doing an event there in the winter but I can't tell you who it is because I'm pretty sure they haven't announced it yet so you may get a chance to see some of this work sooner rather than later so shout out to Franklin shout out to Primary Projects and shout out to Miami World Center for putting something so exciting together and making sure there's black representation. Another thing that makes this sweeter is that this is in um, a part of Miami that was historically a black neighborhood. So it makes it even sweeter to have, you know, these artists work there permanently. So which are, which area is that? Overtown. Overtown. Okay. So I need to head down oh. to Overtown next time I'm in Miami. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So that's a historic black area. So if you, let's see. So if you came into Miami to go to Art Basel, you had to leave the airport and you had to get on a road called the, the 112. And depending on where you stayed, you had to pass through I-95 at some point. So I-95 was built and it was specifically targeted to eliminate that black community. So it ran right through it. They had to tear down homes, of um, a black community that had been there for many years to make sure that that highway existed and it displaced thousands of black families and that area never recovered from that so it is wonderful to have images of black folk permanently installed in that building you know but that's so inspiring to me because there's so much development happening in different areas in the uk particularly areas that were or historically have been associated with black communities and I'm just really inspired by that model the new yes, theatres yes. new large buildings being commissioned left right and centre over here and programming something as ambitious as that I would love to see something equivalent uh, that engages yes, with yes. black British artists so hmm. point taken 
Yes. Go hit up those developers, my dear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want it. Mm. Yes, good. So, and then of course, we found something really beautiful. Um, so Vogue France has a new cover girl. Jama Ahmed, um, a hijabi model, is on the cover of French Vogue. I thought that was really interesting. I remember some years ago there being a huge controversy because the French government wanted to pass legislation to keep women from wearing their hijabs. Do you remember that? Of course I do. Yeah, really um, huge debate that spilled over to the UK for sure. Um, Definitely seen as discriminatory and feeding into underlying sentiments of Islamophobia that, you know, people were complaining against in the media and not helped by some very thoughtless comments by leading politicians. So, yeah, it's really great to see this kind of leadership being taken by Vogue, which, you know, (laughs) I have to say has been breaking down barriers, particularly from over the seas here in the UK yes. with uh, yes. the editor editorship <laughs> I think you know what I'm trying to say of our wonderful Edward Enninfo. Um yeah. it's yeah. just wonderful you know, I mean I think we may have missed some of the covers that have been quite controversial but featuring definitely women um, you know of darker skin tones uh, in, in a very artistic bold way um over here so it's wonderful to see that um yeah some of the what could you what could you say yeah the cultural kind of norms of the way that france thinks about beauty are being challenged through this vogue yeah. um yeah their choice of, of, of cover cover uh, woman for this for this edition really exciting to see it is you know um jama is from southern sweden um and she was one of the few black muslim women in the small town that she grew up in in sweden um but what was really interesting is she was a muslim woman of course who who covered but she had eclectic fashion taste and her parents encouraged that and helped that encourage her to, to keep a career in fashion and now you know she's gracing the cover of one of the most well-known magazines in the world, um, all of the Vogue's from Vogue UK, um, Italy, Dubai, the United States. Um, there are wonderful fashion magazines out there, but none of them have been able to topple Vogue. So the fact that we have her on the cover, I think is great. I'm hoping that Edward is having is having influence on the other editors around the globe to, to push this button. I'm very proud of him. I didn't realize when I was watching um, the September issue that Edward is, I don't know that he gets a chance to speak often, but you see him working with the other fashion editors in one of the scenes and Edward is there when he was working for um, Vogue in New York. So it, it caught my attention. I was like, well, wait a minute. So he's been around for a long time. Edward, so, um, Edward, yeah, Edward has come through the ranks. I think he was a stylist. He, I think he's been about fashions from his teenage years, you know, and has just remained 
diligent and unapologetic in pursuit of excellence in the field and risen to the very top. I mean, Vogue is the heritage, fashion title that all, you know, serious fashion, what can you say, like dedicated professionals want in the world of media want to contribute to want to be featured in so he's don't I don't think you can get higher than that yes you can what if he ends up running Vogue US oh let's not go there with the US UK thing I'm just saying what if I'm sure happens? I'm sure UK was first <laughs> no what if you know what if he if if they end up tapping him to to replace current leadership what's her name to replace anna winter when she retires can you imagine the upset Woof, baby that would be it that would be it you know what what that would do though black fashion magazines who are like barely holding on Good luck. Oh my god, they would have a hard time clutching because you know, he, you know, he would diversify, he would diversify that book and make it look like America. Oh my god, I love it! All right, <laughs> that would so, change everything that would change yeah. the world. That Revolution, would change the world. it really would. You heard it here first. We've talked about I it. Know. <laughs> we bring it out. Yes, let's let's you know speak that into fruition as the young folks would say mm-hmm. all right so let's get back to it all right so a few a few months ago make sure i give you the right date this came out january 13th this year and right now we are in april so in january we did a piece um based on some controversy during during art basel miami beach um I mentioned that before that many people who went to our Basel this year noticed that there was a ton of work by black artists. However, there was also a lot of familiar work. Um, there were oftentimes that you walked through any of the fairs and thought you were looking at some of your favorites that you may have seen some early work of Bisa Butler that you may have seen some, um, some early work of Kahinde Wiley or some things that looked it was, uh, the, the quality was different, but it just, you you kind of had to stop and go, wait, what, who is this? You had to do a few double takes. And it was um, during Untitled that everybody had to stop and go, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Because as people walked through Untitled, they swore that they saw the work of um, African-American visual artist and collages, Deborah Roberts. They walked through, they were like, hey, Deborah, we saw your new work at Untitled. And that's when we all realized that that really wasn't Deborah's work. That was actually the work of a visual artist from the American South. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Because of the spelling, I keep calling her Lenithia, but her name is actually Lenthea Edwards. She's um, um, represented by Richard Beaver's gallery. But it was not Deborah Roberts' work. It was actually Lenthea's work. And it gave a lot of people pause because it became very clear that this young woman's work was eerily familiar to what we've seen from Deborah Roberts. Um, So we went to work 
we did some digging and we did some research and we started to, to tell this story about what we saw is what could be considered plagiarism during Art Basel Miami Beach. That was in January 13th, um, January 13th, 2022. Time passed and Art Expo popped up this last week. Really excited about it. I think I mentioned, you know, Kendra had an event and Richard Beaver's gallery was there. And the same work by Lynthia Edwards, maybe a new body of work, but Lynthia Edwards' work was there as well. And Deborah Roberts started to get the same calls. Hey, we see your work at Art Expo. And that's when Deborah had to release a statement and say, this is not my work. I don't have any work at Art Expo. I have a gallerist, this is my gallerist's name, and I have a show coming up in a few months when it comes, we'll let you know. But the work that you're looking at is not mine. You could not tell anyone that that was not her work because it was very similar. So that's when this story came up from January 13th, came up again. And I wanna read this um, quote by Dr. Erica Moya James. She said, I saw several instances of artwork that made me uncomfortable. Um, and Dr. James is an art historian, she's a curator, and she's also assistant professor at the University of Miami. She had a little Titus Kaffir here, a sprinkle of Kehinde there. Um, and of course, the most egregious to her was seeing the work that she, that everybody thought was Deborah Roberts and was not hers. This is something that may not be as unusual as we think that it is. Um, if you've read the story, there are many instances where clearly, um, I think Jean-Michel Basquiat's work is the most reproduced and copied of all artists who, who, who create work. You know, I, you see that all the time, the graffiti, you know, sometimes literally the same iconography that you see in his work, they use the same thing. Maybe they just use different colors, but it's the same thing. But this um, is different because we're doing this with a living artist. You know, Deborah has not passed away. She's still here. You know, she's still creating work and she's still creating work in this style. And a lot of people were taken aback and no one, no one, at least not that I know of, I don't think anyone approached either the artist nor the gallerist, but I know that on social media over the weekend, there was a lot of conversation, um, a lot of conversation with Deborah and others who saw what happened and saw what, and what went down. And I think it's disturbing because of Deborah's long history. She's been creating this, creating work for 30 years. And she finally found her stride and found, and it's something that everyone has to do when you're creative, not just a visual artist, but creative period. You have to find your voice and you always want to differentiate yourself from, from the marketplace. You know, you want to be good, but you want to be your type of good. You want to be Lisa good. You want to be Melissa good. You want to bring something that no one else can, can you know, reproduce, something that's very unique to you and that is still of quality. And this is a very different conversation because clearly if you look at the pieces, you almost couldn't tell at that, that this is not the same person. What are your thoughts? Oh, I find it very upsetting and disturbing. Like you said, 
the power of art is the ability to find your own unique form of expression. And I don't think you can develop that without reference to other artworks. That's not what we're talking about. Of course, you can seek inspiration from the best art that you connect with that impacts you. But the, the, the goal is to, to reference that honestly with integrity and then, you know, find your own jump off point from that piece of work. You don't want to be, and again, you said this as well, you don't want to be in a position where your own efforts are so indistinguishable from an artist who has built their own aesthetic over decades through many rounds and you know of you know I'm sure failure and challenge you don't want your work your fresh work especially if you're just kind of emerging to be um, indistinguishable from somebody who is um, regarded as a as a, a great or becoming a great artist what does that say about you um, and for me it's just a form of disrespect it's a form of disrespect either you're just being really lazy or you're being blatantly disrespectful and I can't really abide by any of those things if you are seeking to present yourself on the global stage as a um a serious artist that's what I have to say about it the it's the principle of it of the matter I think applies to any artist thinking of doing that you know, if you are accused of that and then continue to produce that work, then it just raises serious, serious question marks. But my heart goes out to Deborah Roberts specifically because of the kind of artist and person I see them to be. They seem to be an artist that walks their talk, has been open, um, is accessible has been generous with sharing and, and support, sharing their, their history um, and experiences with young emerging artists. So to have to deal with um, people's questions, like, oh, are you at this show? Um, must, I can only imagine, has been heartbreaking. But then to go onto her Instagram and see the kind of, the impact, the emotional impact that this has had on her. She's got a video up at the moment. I, I don't know whether it will be up when this um, show airs. It's really, yeah, heartbreaking to see. So, yeah, it's really disappointing. Um, and I don't think there's any place for it. I remember feeling the same way um, when I saw <laughs> Kendrick Lamar's um, video that featured... Uh, Lena Iris Victor's work it was so <laughs> I was like hold on oh that's cool Lena has collaborated with um, Kendrick over this this music video it was for the the song that featured in the Black Panther movie right um, tutus I go onto the internet and see that oh nope there was no uh, right. you know sanctioned um, collaboration there was no kind of agreement in place and we're just like but wait, how did that get signed off? We talk about that. So in this story, which was written by Angela Carroll, you know, we talk about that. So I think that Disney did approach her, either Disney approached her or the artist approached her and it didn't work out. 
but she did sue. And her major claim was that the aesthetic motives featured in the video um, were sourced from her original style. And she sued Lamar for a portion of the profits gained from the sale of the single and the soundtrack. But she also noted that it was the principle rather than the compensation that she was most concerned about. Mm-hmm. And later that year, the case was settled out of court for undisclosed sum in favor of Victor. So <clears throat> there is precedent. Um, there is precedent. And we will see um, how this moves forward. Um, yeah, it's it, just- it, it was really difficult watching Deborah this weekend, um, especially for this to happen again. You know, someone made a comment that this, this is almost an act of violence against her. It, and exactly. honestly, that's how it feels. I know. And the other thing that is hurtful about it is that there's such care and consideration and honour that goes into Deborah's practice in, you know, celebrating the history of Black life uh family life uh community and and that also comes from her and the kind of person that she is she's socially community oriented she's a sharer you know so i think that's gonna for that reason because she in herself is so principled and so caring in her approach to then have that kind of cut and paste without care definitely yeah. feels like a violent act, an act of disregard for that value-based approach that she's taken. You know, it's so kind of, I don't know, mercenary. <laughs> Just feels mercenary. Yeah. What other motive can there be to be so indistinguishable other than just to gain the same success? You know, and I'm using, I'm choosing my words very um, carefully here, because. Right. But it's just like you just want the same success. You don't have the same care. You don't have the same story. You can't have right. the same story as Deborah. Right. So. Um, and I love Deborah's statement. She said, "In no way, shape, or form would I ever prevent any artist, especially artists of color." from making a living because this is a very tough profession. My track record with helping young artists develop their skills and their own voice is easily researchable. What I object to is someone creating work knowing that is being mistaken as mine and using that for profit. This is not about competition. It's about having integrity. That's it. And that's that's where this lies. Um, You know, it's my hope that this is resolved these are talented young women who, you know, deserve the opportunity to create and show and make money from their work, no doubt about it. And hopefully this will be resolved um, amicably and everyone can move on with their lives and really learn a lesson from this. With that being said, I, I mentioned that this is not something that is unusual. Something similar has happened to me But I think what was the most heartbreaking outside of this was there was a young woman that I met on social media. She had this really niche website, super, super niche. It only talked to young women like from 18 to 23. Like I never would have even thought of that. It was just for young women. And 
she was able to get in touch with a woman's magazine, with the leadership of a woman's magazine that inspired her. And she was really excited and really happy. And they, you know, I guess there was some type of mentorship going on. And one day she noticed that that woman's magazine started an offshoot for women ages 18 to 23. Using similar brand colors. Mm-mm language cold-blooded what and you know she's still working she still kept her work up but she was really she didn't know what to say and I was like how did you manage that and she said I didn't know what to tell them and I know that feeling you know I remember when someone did that to me and they were like hey you want to see my new website I just redid it and then I went and I was like dog this is literally why did you do that? So I, I, I know the feeling, um, the feeling of, 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 of helplessness and you never know how this turns out. And because people don't know who it is, um, you know, they may not even really ask. They may just go buy it and just kind of assume, oh, look at Deborah Roberts piece, you know, what's the value and go from there. So <clears throat> I'm hoping this all works out. With that being said, we're going to end this week. It is such a pleasure to be back on here with you. I'm really happy to, to be here. I'm looking forward to the upcoming weeks. And you are going to Venice, correct? Am I, am I, am. Countdown Yay. to Venice has begun. I'll be arriving on the 19th. Please pray for me to remain healthy and healthy throughout the whole trip. Because this COVID-19 <laughs> doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. But yeah, I really, I just couldn't turn down the opportunity to be there with three black female powerhouses representing Scotland, Britain and the United States. Um, Ghana has a pavilion. Many other African nations have their pavilions and also the Caribbean represented well out there. So I'll be making special efforts to see all of the African diaspora represented in these national pavilions. And then just, yeah, immerse myself in the huge amount of amazing art that will be on display yes i love it so i have to let you know there's a few of our friends from social media who will be there as well i'll make sure that you know who they are so that you can hang out with them so i'm excited too all right so let's wrap up thank you so much so sugar canes um this week in black art was brought to you by the children's trust thank you so much for coming on as a sponsor if you are interested in sponsoring please send an email or send a dm through social media let me know and we can make sure that happens as always be sure that you are following us you can follow sugarcane on instagram at sugarcane magazine you can visit our web- website at sugarcanemag.com and make sure that you follow This Week in Black Art. Also, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple, make sure to leave us a thumbs up, some stars, all the good things that you can leave us. Leave a comment if you like today's um, show. Make sure to share with your friends and colleagues and share on all of your platforms. Lisa, where can we find you on Instagram? You can find me at lisa anderson aa or at black british art i love it thank you so much have a good week guys actors playhouse together with presenting sponsor the children's trust proudly present live auditions for young talent big dreams the most widespread free youth talent competition in miami-dade county kids between the ages of 8 to 17 
are invited to showcase their talents and compete for exciting prizes and cash awards. Register today at www.actorsplayhouse.org.